0: I'm Dan Webster, film critic for Spokane Public Radio and blogger for Spokesman.com.
1: And I'm Mary Pat Truthart, part-time film critic, full-time law professor at Gonzaga University School of Law.
2: And I'm Nathan Weinbender, also a film critic for Spokane Public Radio.
0: And welcome to Movies 101, the show that likes to imagine that it's being recorded on the shore of Italy's Lake Como, with each of us a glass of ice-cold Prosecco in hand, waving to the guests who are boating across the water to attend a party at George Clooney's Grand Villa. I can't quite imagine that we'd get an invite, though. The Limits of Imagination are something of a topic this week as we take on a feature titled The Creator and a collection of four Wes Anderson short films all adapted from the stories by the late writer Roald Dahl. Let's begin by checking out a film that, snatched from the headlines, attempts to explore what might happen should artificial intelligence develop to the point where it becomes nearly indistinguishable from humankind. That film is titled The Creator, And as directed by Gareth Edwards, based on a script that he co-wrote with Chris Weitz, it is set some four decades in the future, at a time when humankind is fighting a war with what it considers a rogue culture of artificial intelligence. Our focus is Joshua, a human played by John David Washington, who through a series of events, some that I probably shouldn't mention because it would give away the surprise, becomes the shepherd of a young AI slash human hybrid that he dubs Alfie played by the interminably cute Madeline una Voiles, For the first third of the film's run, Edwards manages to maintain control. As Joshua embarks on a mission, then when things go south, as they always tend to do, he is forced to improvise. His basic intent is to reunite with the woman he loves, Maya, played by Jemma Chan, and he sees Alfie as his best means of doing so. But too, despite the demands of his mission, he can't help but have feelings for what he sees as a child. The rest of the creator, though, gets away from director Edwards and devolves into several disparate themes, an attempt to argue that AI deserves compassion and understanding instead of fear, a statement about the nature of loyalty versus love, yet another in a long line of anti-military screeds, and most of all, a chase movie with lots of gunfire and genocide. Some of the CGI is as good as anything that's been done since the Blade Runner slash alien movies. But the story overall ends up being little more than a disappointing, confusing jumble of random clashes and improbable plot twists.
1: And that's different from other robot movies that we've seen (laughs) over the decades. Uh, I'm not so sure. Dan, you gave us a very concise assessment of this film, and I don't really have a whole lot to add in terms of its backstory and its context. So I did want to focus a little bit on the performances. We do have a protagonist, a hero in John David Washington, and he's up for playing his part appropriately. I think he, again, is one of those actors who the camera seems to love and He may come by that through genetics with his dad, Denzel, or maybe it's due to his own efforts, I can't say. But it starts out as a love story, in a sense, or a story of connection. And it also starts out as a story of conflict, as we see that there's sort of a worldwide phenomenon in the creator happening, you know, that sort of pits the Western world against New Asia, as they're calling it. And I think that it seems as though in New Asia, they've kind of made their peace with the role of robots, artificial intelligence, and society, and there seems to be some more of collective action for the greater good of everybody. Whereas, as you can well imagine, in the US, at least represented by the military figures who we encounter, there's fear associated with AI. And so that's sort of this recurring theme. And we're sort of caught in that as well. Should we fear? Should we favor? How do we deal with AI? And when it appears in the incarnation of a small child who, as Dan pointed out, is just too cute, you know, how do we deal with that? And so I think that. I liked some of the performances. I have no idea what Alice and Janney was doing in this movie. I think it really did not use her talents because she's a military leader who has sort of a one-note performance. And so I thought that that was one of the flaws here. Also, in the end, I mean, I knew who I was rooting for in a sense, but I'm not really sure what to make of the overarching theme of artificial intelligence, you know, love it, hate it. Adapt to it, I don't know. Well, yeah, and I mean, we're talking
2: about AI so much in the real world now. I mean, it's the topic of news stories, and I think it's part of the ongoing strikes that have been going on. AI is a huge component of that. And so I think in this time, you know, think of how many different angles you could take on. The topic of artificial intelligence. And granted, science fiction has been doing that for a really long time. And I just don't think this movie, The Creator, really finds an interesting angle on artificial intelligence. I mean, the, or the, a unique uh, voice. Yeah, I mean, way. the idea here is that. AI is only as dangerous as the people that are using it. So, of course, the United States has weaponized it, and militarized it. And then in these other countries, they're living peacefully with AI as replacements for, say, family members that have passed away. And there's one really intriguing idea in the middle here that they kind of – gloss over a little bit, which is that in the future, instead of donating your body to science, you can donate your likeness to science and you can donate your likeness to artificial intelligence. And that comes up a little bit in the plot here. But I think this is a movie that was just so concerned with its own scope that it kind of forgets to tell a compelling story. I just don't think there's a compelling story at the heart of the creator. It's a very... I mean, even though there's a lot of plot and it's jumping around all over the place and it's going to all of these different locations and it's throwing out all of these twists. For the most part, though, it's a pretty simple story. It's about this guy who's trying to find out what happened to his wife. He's trying to get this quote unquote weapon back into the hands of his own side in this war. But there's just I don't know. I kept waiting for it to go somewhere that I hadn't seen before. And this is one of those movies where you're just thinking about so many other movies that have done all of these things so much better than it, even though, you know, it looks pretty good. Like you said, the special effects are impressive, but it, there's the nothing special, to hang on to. The here.
0: special effects mixed with these on location shooting. Yeah, yeah and and sh- shot in Thailand. Of correct. Thailand yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. You know, you talk about a compelling story. I agree with that. There is no compelling story here. But what's worse is the story they do tell makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, the love story at the heart of this goes nowhere. I mean, finally, in the end, it's like, what was that about? I mean, why did we even care? Well, and 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 it, and it
2: doesn't help either that the Gemma Chan character... Is essentially a plot device here. I mean, let's face it; that's what she turns out to be.
0: Yeah, and then she looks good while doing it. Oh, sure. Yeah, we might. I mean, there's lots of
2: good-looking people in this. We
0: remember her from Crazy Rich Asians Mm -hmm. and other films. I mean, she's been in a lot of movies. Like she adds something, even if she doesn't have to say anything. The other big problem with the film is the final third. It becomes this huge chase scene, but it's like what I was trying to say in the intro. There's so many improbable plot twists. I mean, they have to split up, and the little girl has to do one thing, and yeah. she's running down these hallways where she could have been killed any moment, but she isn't. And then he has to go and do this ridiculous climbing up <laughs> to place a bomb yeah, and they someplace. have and they
2: have to make it onto a flight, essentially, yeah. and get up to this ship that— Nomad. Yeah, yeah. Nomad. which another kind of movie I was reminded of, or filmmaker I was reminded of, was Neil Blomkamp, the guy that made yes. District 9, and right, he made right, right. Elysium, And after District 9, which was this huge kind of of out-of-nowhere crossover Mm -hmm. hit, he started making these movies with bigger and bigger budgets, like Elysium, like Chappie, which all had, you know, compelling ideas at the core, but there wasn't much else there. And I kept thinking, you know, they get up to that ship and it's almost this utopian-like society, and I was like... I saw this in Elysium, and I don't know if Elysium did it much better, but it feels like that kind of movie where it's giving you a little bit to chew on, but then not delivering on the potential of
0: what this concept could have been. And don't you think the end also is like, stay tuned for the sequel? Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I don't think that this deserves a sequel. And I think that watching it, I mean, I have to say I was entertained. I didn't feel and as though I wasted my time. And this, folks, to a time. rave
0: review from Mary Patrick <laughs> Right, Arthur. exactly,
1: given the subject matter, et cetera, et Yeah, et cetera. you never met a
2: science fiction film you couldn't just pick apart. Correct. So, but you went along with this one.
1: I did for some reason. Okay.
2: Some other movies I wanted to mention that I was thinking about, I mean, obviously something like The Matrix. There's even a shot when they reveal the little girl. The shot of that felt like something right out of The Matrix. Ghost in the Shell. I was talking to Dan about this before the show, but I also kept thinking of the movie The Golden Child. Oh, <laughs> the, yes. Because it's about this little kid who has these powers and we have to protect the child. What about about the Um, Short
0: Circuit movies? Remember those? (laughs) Johnny
2: Five,
3: yes. And
2: and Blade Runner, of course, course, always comes up in these. And then name your Spielberg film of choice. I mean, it goes from AI artificial intelligence. uh, There's Minority Report in here. There's even E.T. in here where, you know, the big bad government's trying to come and take this powerful creature away from our hero. And I don't know. It just felt like cliche after cliche. I just saw, I've seen this before. And I think that and there would was be no all the
1: ultimate payoff. Yeah, I mean, and that's I think the thing that's is I think it would problem. be
2: all right yeah. because there's only so many concepts that you can get to before you know you kind of have to go back to recycling some stuff. But there just isn't another layer of really anything of interest on top of the admittedly impressive production so yeah there just wasn't much here for me to kind of sink my teeth into unfortunately
0: no and that's too bad because i was holding out a lot of hope when i saw john david washington in the trailers i said we have got to see and on top of that this is one of the rare big budget
2: genre films that isn't based on an existing property this isn't just another you know comic
0: book movie it's an original idea but maybe not so original (laughs) not so original And that was our discussion of The Creator, and this is Movies 101. It's time to take a short break. Before we go, remember that you can access podcasts of Movies 101 by going online at SpokanePublicRadio.org. While there, check out the individual reviews that Nathan and I write. Don't do it now, though, because we'll be right back to discuss Wes Anderson's adaptation of four Roald Dahl short stories. You're listening to Movies 101 on Spokane Public Radio.
3: Subscribe to your favorite public radio programs when you become a Spokane Public Radio Sustainer, just like any news or entertainment service you use. But unlike those other services, you decide how much you want to pay. Set up an electronic funds transfer, and monthly installments will be withdrawn automatically from your account. Plus, you can start or stop your subscription anytime you want. As a sustainer, you help make your public radio station strong, You support your favorite programs, and you never have to wonder when to renew. You're part of the community that sustains public radio. Call 509-328-5729 during business hours or go online to spokanepublicradio.org. Click the red Donate button and start the process. Working together, we make our community a better place to work, play, and listen.
0: And we're back. This is Movies 101, and I'm your host, Dan Webster. During the first half of the show, Mary Pat Truthart, Nathan Weinbinder, and I discussed the science fiction blockbuster The Creator. Let's now move to something a bit more literary, namely four short films by the director Wes Anderson that have been adapted from an equal number of short stories by Roald Dahl. To a certain extent, the pairing of Anderson and Dahl feels only natural. Anderson makes movies that are instantly recognizable, droll and quirky, specifically set in their own Anderson take on existence. Dahl, famous for having written some of the best-loved children's literature from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to James and the Giant Peach, has his own idiosyncratic view of the world although one that tends to, in his books for children at least, often deal with dark experiences that explore themes of neglect and even abuse. Three of the four stories that Anderson adapts here, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, the rat catcher, and Poison, are adult stories, while the fourth, the swan, involves a boy being bullied. All, though, involve some sort of conflict, from a man trying to overcome his inherent base nature, to a man threatened by a snake, and more, to a man who specializes in killing rats. Look for a cast that includes Benedict Cumberbatch, Ray Fiennes, Ben Kingsley, Richard Ayode, and Dev Patel, all of whom act their parts while narrating Dahl's actual prose. The effect may strike some as curious, as both Anderson and Dahl's work tends to do, But fans of both are likely to appreciate this pairing for the blend of brilliance that it is.
2: Sort of odd how these films are being released because they're all being released separately on Netflix and not as, say, one big anthology of short films because they are all of a piece, not just because they're all from the same filmmaker and based on the same author, but they share much of the same style and much of the same cast. I mean, all of these actors kind of show up in all of them to varying degrees. So
1: would you, does this bode in favor of binge watching these rather? I mean, we watch them
2: separately. I watch them back to back to back to back. Mm, okay. um, and altogether, it makes about a 90 minute film when you kind of add them all up. And you even have Ray Fine showing up in all of them as Roald Dahl himself, sort of coming in and narrating certain parts of the story. So I wonder why Anderson didn't opt to make this into a feature and decided to release them all separately. And the fact that Netflix has really only been advertising the Henry Sugar story. Right. I didn't know about the other three until like a week ago, even though I'd been hearing about the Henry Sugar short film because it played at the Venice Film Festival, I think. But I thought these were really interesting. And I think they're especially interesting in the wake of Asteroid City which was Wes Anderson's last feature which only came out a few months ago and i think it continues a lot of the same themes of that film as far as what it means to adapt a story what artifice looks like and how that plays into the actual filmmaking and storytelling process because one of the stylistic gambits here is that we're seeing all of the moving parts of this story so an actor will transform into another character and an actual, we see like a crew member who's still dressed in, you know, the Wes Anderson kind of style will come out and hand them, you know, their change in costume. Or Ray Fiennes, for instance, will actually inhabit one of the rats that his character is trying to catch in the Rat Catcher short. So there's a lot of really kind of strange moving pieces here that, as you said, Dan, may not work for everybody. And it actually took me a while to kind of figure out what it was exactly that he was doing. But I just think it's really great that this filmmaker who is often, I think, unfairly maligned for having a samey kind of visual style over – or narrative style over the course of however many movies he's done. I think he's trying new things within this Wes Anderson realm that he's created. So you can
1: still identify it as a Wes Anderson Absolutely. project. Absolutely.
2: And he's – I mean he's coming back to Roald Dahl. He already adapted Fantastic Mr. Fox before yes. as an animated film. And so I just – I enjoyed watching these because I, I saw him messing around within the sort of all the tropes of Wes Andersonism in new ways. <laughs>
0: We have to cop to the three of us being Wes Anderson fans. We are fans of his work, so we're predisposed to like these. But go ahead, Mary Pat, give us your Well, I
1: I mean, so there are four different vignettes here, and they are different but similar, as we've noted. And I think we need to talk about the performances because you mentioned Ray Fiennes. I've never been a huge Ray Fiennes fan, but over the years— It was the English patient, sorry. Um, (laughs) You and Elaine. Yeah, right, me and Elaine from Seinfeld.
0: You're never going to leave me in the cave. I know.
1: I I made him promise that. But I think that if you look at the different performances, I mean, most notably, Ray Fiennes. And then we have Benedict Cumberbatch, Dev Patel, Rupert Friend, Ben Kingsley. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and so I think that you do appreciate – What these British actors bring to this project. I mean, they were perfectly cast in various ways. I know that, you know, we haven't seen Rupert Friend do a lot of things. I mean, my best recollection of him was from Homeland, that series with Claire Danes about uh, Mm spycraft and so forth. But I thought he was excellent. And Dev Patel, I thought he talks in this very fast, clipped (laughs) way that you have to keep up. So it commands your attention. And honestly, I thought all of the performances, Ben Kingsley, it was totally convincing and completely authentic to my way of thinking in these different parts that he played. Especially the man
2: who can see without using his eyes. Right. That was great.
1: And (laughs) then we have the rat catcher. Yeah. No. Uh, and that that's I think where Rafe Fiennes won me over because I was like it <laughs> was so right. I yeah. mean we've seen him in the menu, we've seen him in and the bigger splash, right, exactly. And so yeah. I think excellent, excellent casting in every no, way. And,
0: and the, the one you didn't mention is Richard Iode, who oh. most people yeah. if you go on YouTube specifically, you can get back copies of the IT crowd which he was so good in that. With, uh, I mean, Chris he, O'Dowd. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's such But I want to get back a little bit to what Nathan was saying about the way that Anderson constructs these. And it is a constant breaking of the fourth wall. He's showing us how these stories are put together, how his film is put together. And you can go online and you can get a copy of Poison. It's a really very short story. Two pages. And, and, exactly. And there's really not much to it at all. I would argue that what Anderson does is he amplifies it to the point of making it much more effective than what simply Dahl put on the page. And each of the shorts ends with, to kind of continue
2: that idea, each one ends with sort of a little written description of where Roald Dahl was in his life when he wrote these stories. In or his what handwriting. Inspired them. Yes. Yeah. And I think what unifies these as well, beyond the author and beyond the style, is sort of these themes of miraculous... Or unexplained events happening to seemingly ordinary people in a mundane world. Of course, Roald Dahl's world was never totally mundane, it was always a little bit off, you know. And I think all of these share that quality. And almost all of them, you know, you kind of expect with a short film or a short story, especially from someone like Roald Dahl, you do sort of expect a really clever turnabout at the end. You expect a punchline at the end. None of these films have that. None of these stories have a bow that gets tied onto the end and bring everything together. They all sort of end with ellipses as opposed to full stops. And I so found that really compelling. So you don't
1: know exactly what happens. Yeah, but you're I not think even in... supposed
2: to know how, like, how is I supposed to feel about this? Am I supposed right. to find this? tragic or ironic or funny, you're kind of grappling with your feelings as the credits Especially Poison. Oh, yeah. Right.
1: Well, but I'm thinking of The Swan. I mean, I think we get a sense of what happened. I mean, that's um, a that is yeah. a brutal one. Especially yeah,
0: since it was one. based on a story that he read right. in the paper of something right. like that that really right. happened.
1: Right. And like I said, I surprisingly probably appreciated The Rat Catcher the most just because I thought that the acting in that one was great. Although I would say in The Swan, that's where Rupert Friend really impressed me because he plays the voice of the boy who's yeah. being bullied. But and he's then walking he also, us through the story. Right, Then he also switches and plays other parts. And so I, I was impressed by that. But which one was your favorite of these? I, I may gravitate
2: towards – I mean the Henry Sugar one is the longest one. Right. It's 40 minutes. And I love sort of the idea of that, that this man – Obtains this miraculous power so that he can accumulate wealth and riches, and then realizes that the whole fun of getting riches actually obtaining it in a way that you know requires more effort than that. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's some cleverness there. I thought the Swan was actually a really kind of quietly devastating movie, and I, I think that it's one of Dahl's most chilling portraits
0: of what it's like to be a kid in a scary world. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that I can choose one. I think that. Maybe the one that stayed with me the most was Poison, just simply because it has an open ending and you go, wow, where did that come from? So we
2: each picked a different favorite, which I think means that this is probably a collection worth watching all the way through. I would
1: conclude that as
2: well.
0: (laughs) And they're on Netflix. And that was our rundown of Wes Anderson's adaptation of four Roll Doll short stories and this is Movies 101. I'm Dan Webster, and earlier in the show, Nathan Weinbinder, Murray Pat Truthart, and I discussed Gareth Edwards' The Creator. Let's take this moment to thank this week, Jim Tevinen, for both producing and engineering the show. And we thank you to our loyal listeners, and we invite you back next week, same time, same spot on the radio dialed, when we'll again check out all the best that cinema has to offer wherever we can find it. Until then, consider these words from none other than Albert Einstein. Logic will get you from A to Z imagination will get you everywhere. You're listening to Movies 101 on Spokane Public Radio.
3: Movies 101 podcast is made possible by the members of Spokane Public Radio. Become a member at spokanepublicradio.org. Thanks for listening to Movies 101.